Persuading people to take the actions we want can be hard. Our teams and clients are bombarded with thousands of messages every single day. But there is a way for you to get above the noise. Stories. This is the Stories Retraction Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Zahn. Join my guests and me as we unpack the power of storytelling. We'll talk about topics like leadership, sales, and marketing all through the lens of strategic storytelling. Enjoy this episode. One of the most amazing things to me about traveling all over the United States is I get to meet some incredible people. And I learn about these individuals. I love hearing their stories and what drives them. Well, today I'm joined by an individual that absolutely fascinates me. I'm joined by Dr. Anthony Lee. Now, Dr. Lee is the president and CEO of Westcliff University, and we are going to dive in to scaling, innovation, and leadership. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lee. Thanks, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. Really appreciate you having me. And, and I appreciate your time. I know you're extremely busy, so I appreciate you sharing some time with us and just diving in and unpacking a different elements of what makes you you and what you've done for your organization. So just to kind of paint the scene for everyone and just to, to share why I respect you so much is for a lot of different things that you've done, which is just almost unbelievable in my opinion. So you took Westcliff University from nothing. So you, you, you founded this university and you took it from virtually almost no students to the 6,000 there are today. So it is unbelievably extraordinary to even hear this. So can you, can you tell us like the beginning steps of what it means to start a university and then go from there? Yeah. I mean, when I first took over the university. Uh, my dad had started it 30 years ago. And when I took it over, you know, we we probably had less than 50 students. And when I when I took it over, there was a lot of work to be done. We started with focusing on the staff that we wanted to hire, the staff and faculty that we wanted to hire to help build the team out and then really get going on trying to achieve accreditation. And that spent uh, that time spent was a number of years we spent trying to pursue accreditation. Um, and I think that was a, a huge key for us to really for us to take off and uh, be successful in the future. So it almost reminds me of a marathon, right? So it, it's like, it's not clearly a sprint where it's very quickly over. It is, it is a very lengthy marathon from getting something up and running, assembling the right team. You mentioned accreditation. And it's interesting because people that have a knack for running, they might enjoy exercise running, and then they get involved in a marathon, they realize it could be pretty grueling after they get through a certain mile marker. So it's almost the same scenario where, you know, you have a passion for higher education, you've seen what it has done in, in you and your family in the community. So you really want to spearhead that, help that drive that into your community, but then things can get tough, right? I, I can only imagine taking an organization the way you did and expanding it out to that level, there must have been some pretty challenging times. So when those challenging times came up, how did you stay grounded? How did you stay almost in a peaceful state while some things might have been really challenging at that moment? Yeah, I mean, I would say if I was looking at the end goal all the time, it would have been, made me very exhausted. So our accreditation was the first step and that was our goal. And we knew that was going to take several years for us to achieve it. I think 
I was more focused in the beginning on the steps needed to be achieved to ensure that we reach accreditation. And some of the biggest challenges I would say was finding people who really believed in our shared mission. And what we want to do at Westcliff University, and this is what I was telling people when we first brought them on board, is we believe that there was a place in higher education where a quality U.S. education should be affordable and accessible to students all over the world. A quality U.S. education is a life-changing event for most students all over the world, especially from development countries. And so the challenge I think we faced in the beginning was finding the talent and the people around me that would help us drive towards that vision and work cohesively together. So while you're saying that, so this is so important, I don't want people to miss it. So you had mentioned, you know, if you would have focused on the end goal the entire time, it would have been exhausting. That is such a powerful point that you mentioned, because I feel like people do this all the time. In fact, a lot of people are trained to do this. Focus on the end in mind, visualize your goals, focus, focus. And it's amazing because if it's this massive, massive goal, it can be flustering. It can be frustrating. In fact, I know you're a basketball fan, so I immediately thought of Michael Jordan. And I remember an interview that Michael Jordan had, this was decades ago, but it was fascinating to me, where as, as, as everyone listening to this episode can recognize, Jordan played under intense pressure. And one day he was asked in an interview, how in the world are you able to stay so grounded under such intensive pressure? And he said, you know, I don't focus on the negative potential outcome. I focus on the task at hand. Meaning he wasn't focused on the tens of thousands of people staring at him. He wasn't focused on negative news reports the following day if he missed the basket. He wasn't focused on any of that. He only focused on the task at hand, which was doing what he had done since he was a child, which is take a ball and put it into a basket. And it really speaks volumes to your leadership about focus, focusing on the task at hand and not focusing on all the way down the road because it can cause a tremendous amount of frustration when it comes to that end goal. So can you speak to just the sheer amount of focus from a day-to-day -day perspective that you endured and you focused on? Absolutely. And that's a, that's a great story. When you have a goal in mind, I, I like to analyze all the potential outcomes. I'm a very collaborative leader. I like to get input from all stakeholders and I'll analyze it very extensively. But once you make the decision to say, this is the direction you want to go, you have to just move forward, trust trust that you made the right judgment and go, go for it. When I was working with my team, we're going through accreditation. We're like, we weren't looking at the environment to say, this is probably not the best time for school to get accredited. There was a lot of things happening in the regulatory environment especially for small private universities. But we spoke, we focus on the task at hand, which is, okay, let's meet the requirements. How do we meet the requirements? What do we need to do to meet the requirements? What do we need to do to make sure we have the quality standards in place that accreditation will look at us and say, okay, this is a quality school. They meet our requirements and we're going to view them very positively. So I think breaking that out into different chunks is important. It's interesting. What you, well, the story you just mentioned was interesting to me. I want to share a story with you that's kind of an inspiration for me. Okay, so Phil Jackson. We know Phil Jackson was the coach of the Michael Jordan and the Bulls. He's also sure. a championship coach for the Lakers. And I remember one of the, one of the philosophies he had was an 82-game NBA season is hard to focus on the entire all 82 games. He breaks it out into four-game chunks. So he says, okay, these next four games, we're going to try to win three of them. If they win three of them, that's 75% winning percentage. That's fantastic. And he broke it down into four in chunks of four. I take that same approach. It's a long journey. 
we have to have many milestones. And at the end of the day, if you have many milestones that you are achieving, there are steps in the process. You need to make sure you celebrate those, keep your team motivated, and then you move on to the next one and say, hey, okay, what's next? What are we going to achieve next? As you start getting more and more of those wins under your belt, it start makes it it makes it a lot easier to continue to move forward and continue working hard. So I like that you focus on stages, right? Focusing on that stage and then going to the next stage. So let, let's talk about that. So because just saying taking something from virtually nothing to 6,000 students, it sounds unbelievable, but clearly there's stages. So I'm, I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first stage would be almost from nothing to what, 100 or 500 students? What would be the first stage that would be designated within that? For me, the the difference was when we got to 100 students. I think. To 100. So that was like the big, let's go celebrate. Let's. <laughs> so 100 was a big, big deal for you back, back in the day. It, it was because we were not profitable. We were losing money. And during that time, it was super hard to try to have students, especially if you're not an accredited school yet. So that was a big moment for us to get to 100 students and for us to know, hey, we have something here that students believe in. Yeah, it's, it was certainly a, a big phase for us. So, so take me through that because so you're, you're losing money. Obviously, that's not a good place to be. And sometimes I think our subconscious mind kicks in more than we want to realize, right? So our subconscious mind is based on our experiences, our upbringing, uh, different different things that have happened. It, it keeps us going in a certain way. So clearly, you whether it was conscious or subconscious, you had such a passion for what you were doing to help students, help the community, that even though you were losing money hand over fist back when this was happening, you still we're going, you still were, were focusing on the next stage. So is there something in your background that, that primed you for grit, primed you for perseverance or something that you could point back to, or maybe, maybe it's a, a few things that you can point to and say, this is what made me, me, that even though things were extremely grueling, that you, you were focused on getting through that. Is there anything in particular you can point to? My father, absolutely. He was an immigrant. He came over to the U.S. He was actually very successful in Vietnam already. Um, because of the war, he had to come to the U.S. with almost nothing, with two little kids, and pretty much start over. So the grit that he had, the perseverance that he had to continue to move forward, and he's a very successful educator, business person, entrepreneur right now with multiple businesses all over the world. He's an inspiration, and he's always instilled in me, like, we can accomplish anything if you put hard work into it. And he's all about putting in the work. And I've seen it. And I think a lot of that has to do with his high expectations he's had for me and pushing me and his belief and vision in the university that there is a spot for West Cliff University in the future that are going to serve students from all over the world and going to make a big, big impact everywhere. So I, that's an incredible story, a powerful story, that from nothing immigrant story that your father came here, made an incredible life for himself. And it's almost that generational change that he impacted so many people around him. So I can see how something like that would create a sense of grit in you for sure. Was there, was there anything, maybe it's early childhood, maybe in your teens that you were into that kind of created this journey of perseverance in you? Anything, maybe an extracurricular activity or maybe an athletic that you can think of? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was been playing basketball since I was in kindergarten. I'm very competitive. And when I played, I was never the biggest or even the fastest on the team. 
So I had to work really hard. Um, even throughout, you know, when I was in junior high, the team that I played on, we were always the smallest, but we always did pretty well. When I went to high school, I was playing on the basketball team. Not the biggest or fastest again, but that just means I had to work work extremely hard to really do well and, and get playing time. I think that that really taught me a lot. Athletics taught me a lot about life and about so many different aspects. So that's really interesting to me because a lot of people that I talk to in higher education, they're, they're so focused on those book smarts. They're so focused on extracurricular activity, but from like a mind perspective that it's very rare that I talk to someone in your position that is very passionate about athletics. So is there... Is there something that you feel separates you from others when it comes to you connecting with both worlds, not only the academics, but also the athletics as well? I feel like that's always been my passion. And in athletics, it's taught me so much about life skills, but teamwork, hard work, having good work ethic, being committed and dedicated to a team. And I think as a leader today, it's helped me a lot because a lot of the times I was really trying to be, you know, I was one of the team captains trying to galvanize everybody together to make sure we're going in the same direction. And those that are doing not doing so well, I was all about trying to encourage support and provide them with some positive encouragement for them to keep going. And, you know, in sports, it was not always going to go your way. So you have to have a positive mindset to continue to move forward. I believe that athletics has prepared me a lot, not just to be a better person, but a better leader for the university. And that's why I feel strongly that having that ex type of experience really makes you become exposed to so many different experiences and situations and interpersonal relationships that is just so valuable that you wouldn't get elsewhere. And at the same time, I do believe that it also provides a community of support. It's your own social network. And now you have peers that you're going through the same thing with, and you build this really deep relationship with them, right? I still talk to, to some of my teammates from my high school basketball team a lot together, right? So it, it, it really brings people together. And at the same time, and I would say when I was in high school, there were a, it was a huge kind of support network for me to look forward to going to school every day. If I'm just studying all the time, I'm not, not going to look forward to just going to school to study. But if I'm going, going to school, study to learn and play basketball, it made me happy. Sure. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more because it really makes me think of collaboration because you had mentioned team effort and I'm sure that this this has connected almost with your staff as well that there there's a team dynamic and I I've known you now for a few months and one of the things that I learned is how humble you are even though you have achieved extraordinary things, you still have an element of humility. You still ask for feedback. You still collaborate with others. You still ask for others' opinions and bring consensus together. So I want to talk about that because there are people that reach your level of success in life and they're not humble. They're, they're extremely arrogant. They think that they know everything. And that's not the case with you. Like you have, you have a, a presence where you're willing to receive wisdom from others. So is there is there anything in your upbringing or your past or maybe an experience that led you to, to be more humble? I think it comes back to my upbringing and my culture. We're very tight-knit family. And that's across not just my immediate family, like my siblings and my parents, but across my cousins and aunts and uncles and everything. We actually depend a lot on each other many times for all these life events that are going on and we celebrate each other. That allows me to connect with other people very well. I think my dad has always been the most wise person I know, and he's always taught me so many things over the years. But I also think that growing up, I was the youngest of, of four. And, you know, my older brother, my older sisters, they're always trying to teach me and, and help me and support me along the way. I think that made me just feel like, hey, I don't 
I have a, I've had a lot of support throughout the years and I've had a lot of people that have helped me. And just because I get to a certain level of success, I still don't know everything, right? And I think there's a lot of leaders out there that have a, a board of trustees, board of directors, they have a chief of staff, whoever they might be, but they're getting guidance and support and input from a lot of people. No one's doing it on their own. Yeah, it still speaks volumes to your leadership, though, because you are very far away from your upbringing, right? I mean, I think you mentioned to me recently, it's it's what, uh, is it a 15-hour flight? I mean, it's not it's not down the street. So I think it would be easy for you to kind of forget about a past life, forget about different elements of your upbringing, and to almost sit in a high tower, so to speak. But you don't do that. I think that you have captured different stories from your past so well that it's led to a tremendous amount of empathy that you connect well with others because of that. And I think it really speaks volumes to your leadership. There's a lot of people that they they almost like block certain things out in their mind and it, it it's to their detriment because they lose sight of where they came from and what they're about. And you you've not you have not done that. You have in a positive way held on to elements of your past to help you grow in the future. And I think that speaks a lot to your character and to what you've done within your organization. So that that is incredible. Two th- there's two things I want to mention, and I think it'd be relevant. So one is what you just mentioned right now resonates a lot. And I think I think it has a lot to do with my upbringing and really the friends that I had throughout school and high school and beyond. I was fortunate. My dad came here with nothing, but he quickly found success in starting different businesses. So growing up, I was always one of the kids that was more well off than others. And I had many friends that were just not um, Unfortunately for them, they didn't have the same resources that I had. And I think that really gave me a lot of humility because I had more resources than them, a lot more support than them. Just made me feel like I, you know, if, if anything hard or tough went my way, I always felt like I shouldn't be complaining. I have it much easier than, than my friend here or my cousin here. And some some of them are my inspiration. Like they grew up in broken homes, unfortunately, you no, know, no follow their own single single parent homes, lower socioeconomic status. But many of them now are very successful in in what they do. So I think that's a part of it. I would say the other part of that that helps me become humble is again it goes back to my father and my mother. My father was the oldest son in his family. My mom is the oldest of eight siblings in her family. They've always had the mentality to take care of everybody. Always take care of their their siblings, take care of their nieces, their nephews, which are my cousins. And my dad is the same way. I think that provides me with a mentality of not just being humble. There's other people out there that we need to take care of, we need to help. And that's kind of my approach when it comes to my team, my leadership team, my staff, my advisors is like, hey, let's help them. Let's support them. Let's, let's try to, to help them progress and bring them up as much as we can. Wow. That is powerful. You know, it, it it almost speaks to instead of taking things for granted, you have focused on being grateful. It, it sounds somewhat cliche, but it's amazing how many people don't do that. We take everything around us for granted, and then we wonder why we're we're burned out, we're frustrated, where you've leveraged your gratefulness for inspiration. You see others around you and you say, hey, even though I have this, I need to be grateful for this, and I need to be a good steward of what I have so that I can grow it. And I think that that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. So speaking of growth, a big part of growth is innovation. And I know that 
you're no different when it comes to that because you have been an incredible innovator when it comes to what you've done in the education world. So can you take us through, we'll backtrack a little bit. So you, you know, you take the school from nothing to, to a hundred students, you get the accreditation and then you're pushing forward. You are bringing hundreds of more students in, and then you need to focus on innovation to really supercharge that. So what are some things that you've done when it comes to innovation? So I, I think that's a powerful word. I think there's been ways where I try to be innovative, which is number one, our primary focus in the beginning was on international students. So our student population that we focused on was international students. And because that was part of our mission, we understood that not only did it need to be, need to be quality, but also be affordable. So we invested resources strictly into the curriculum and the academics to, to ensure we build a high quality program. I think that part of the innovation for us is how do we approach and support international students? So we created a very flexible program for international students to come here and do internships and get practical experience because that's what they're looking for. Because ultimately, our goal is to get students jobs. We want to make sure that students are successful after graduation. So during their academic journey at Westcliff, we are focused a lot on trying to secure internships for them. So we created curriculum that's flexible, that allows students time to have internships and still focus on their studies. At the same time, we also focused on ensuring that what they're learning in the classroom can be applied in the real world. We have an approach at Westcliff that we created, and it's called CAPRI. Contextual, applied, practical, relevant, and inclusive. All of those elements is the lens that we look through when we add any program. And that has allowed us to be successful in the type of programs we offer to international students and to ensure that they're successful inside the classroom and outside the classroom. And then I also think part of our success is, is how we work with some of our, our educational consultants. We have a lot of partners all over the world who are the ones on the ground working with prospective students, trying to help guide them in what kind of kind of education they're going to receive internationally, whether that's in Canada, the UK, or the US. Uh, and we've been able to work closely with them to be able to help support them and show them what makes Westcliff University different in the US. And I think those type of relationships that we've created with them has been a, a large part in our success. Another part I would say that we're innovative is I went to business school at UCLA, and one of the best experiences I had was my capstone project. And I fortunately was able to work with ESPN for my capstone project. It was a uh, fantastic experience. But that was a group project I had with other people in my class. And we were looking at ESPN's mobile strategy. This, you know, this was in 2007. And, I, and the experience I had was fantastic because I was able to work directly with a potential employer, employees out there to understand that those dynamics, their expectations, how to work together, how to work together as a team, how to communicate to a potential employer work case uh, situ situation. I've taken that a step further at Westcliff University. So I've implemented something similar to that at Westcliff, which many business schools around the nation do, which is have a capstone project for the MBA students. What we've also done, starting to have more of those real life assignments working directly with employers throughout the program. So in a marketing class, they'll work with a potential employer and then put together a marketing plan. We would do that across the curriculum so they get that kind of applied learning throughout. And I think that's that makes a difference for us. And the next step for us is going to be doing that at the doctorate level as well uh, with with dissertation, with students going through their dissertation. And that's just going to be a higher level of research and analysis and recommendations that we could have for, for our, our company uh, partners as well. 
So here's what I love about what you said is that there are a lot of organizations that will talk about their core values and it's almost like a checklist. They just talk about them where you actually live them. And I know one of your core values is being a great global citizen and talk about being a great global citizen. You've done just that. You've lived out your value. And I really appreciate that, that you take something, you not only say it, but you also do it. It really speaks to your leadership for sure. So Dr. Lee, thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate our conversation today. I got a lot out of it. Uh, there's three things in particular that I'm going to have as takeaways from our conversation. The first thing that you said that really stuck with me is you mentioned that you weren't thinking about the end goal all the time because it would have been exhausting. You took it in stages. You focused on the task at hand, not the negative potential outcome. I think that that is very, very masterful when it comes to achieving goals. I also appreciate you mentioned remembering the different elements of your past. You've done a great job of really solidifying moments in your life, in your upbringing, where you've positively focused on those stories, and it's led to a, a great element of empathy in you, on, on your ability to connect with others. And I really appreciate that. And then the third and final piece that is a big takeaway for me is your ability to focus on gratefulness and not taking things for granted. I think that's really powerful. I think often in life, we can take so many things for granted, but we're not focused on, on that gratefulness. And you've utilized that gratefulness for inspiration. So those are my three takeaways. I know a lot of people listening might have gotten other takeaways. Those were my three. If someone wants to contact you, they want to get more information on, on Westcliff, where's the best place that they can go to get that information? They definitely can go to my LinkedIn page. And also, they can go to our university website, which is westcliff.edu. Perfect. I will include that in the show notes. People could just click and go from there. But again, thank you so much for your time today. I very much appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Had a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Stories with Traction podcast. Please leave a review since positive reviews will make it easier for others to find this conversation. Next episode will launch on Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Until then, remember, if you want to persuade with power and inspire those around you to action, you must share more stories.